This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Simsisms. Freudian slip. I mean, it's like, it's almost like a... I'm gonna mess this up, you know. What do I mean? Freudian slip? How the hell do you say that word? No, it was just a Fro- <laughs> Fro- right. Freudian. How the hell do you say that? Freudian. 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 There you go. For it's real. Freudian. Yeah. Freudian. Yeah, Freudian. Right. Thank you. Freudian. 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 I'm a Freud idiot, but I'm trying to Freudian. Okay. <laughs> I'm telling you. They happen so often I can't keep track of them, and I've begun to forget that we're swinging back around to Volume 2. Of <laughs> yeah. It's been so long. For some of them, that was two years ago with Big Cat when you had said Freudian, and I had, frankly, forgotten Freudian, but I can't say it's a new entry. We're just highlighting the book as we go back through the ones that have already been covered good morning it's thursday friday for chris the better news is it's one week away from week one. Oh yeah tampa the cowboys the buccaneers to get the season started i hope the cowboys have something something i hope because that look and and they perfect motivation if mike mccarthy wants to do a hard knocks speech to his team all week long nobody expects us to win and Sometimes when they say that it's bullcrap, sorry, Manchester, but sometimes it's true. In this case, nobody expects the Cowboys to win next Thursday night. Nobody. So use that. This time it's real, Chris. Yeah, no, I I mean, I hear you there, definitely. It's America's team. We're going to see Dak Prescott. They got weapons galore, wide receiver. But, yeah, there's so many questions about the team itself, and we just know where Tampa left off. I mean, Tampa just seemed like – they kind of left off still going on an upward trajectory where you're just like, ah, oh, man, if they if they start next year where they just left off, and of course it looked like that the other night with Brady and the way the offense looked and the way he was throwing the football, like, holy cow. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you, Mike. I mean, I want a good game. You know that and everything, but is there a, a scare in me that the Bucks manhandle them and kind of dominate the game? Certainly. I think that that's a, that's a reality in my mind for sure. Tom Brady, after the third preseason game, said it was time to pivot to the first biggest game of the year, that Thursday well night said. opener. And and I'm reminded of Brady on the shop. The big headline that he made was when he made the comment 
about some team that dropped out of the free agency race. Oh, you're going to stick with that bleepity bleep. Right. But he also said during that show that 90% of the things he says publicly he doesn't mean because he doesn't want to create problems for himself, doesn't want to create motivation for the other team. So here's what he said about playing the Cowboys. And you ask yourself whether this falls into the 90% BS from Tom Brady or the 10% when he actually says what he's thinking. It's good to start the season against a good team. Dallas has a lot of firepower, a lot of draft picks. They've got some new things we're going to have to prepare for. Okay, yeah, they have a defensive coordinator that runs the Seattle defense that he's mastered. mastered. He's mastered every Came defense. back for There's 10 nothing. points in the fourth quarter twice against that scheme. The, the new things don't matter. There's nothing that they're going to have that they're going to break out next Thursday night that's going to make Tom Brady say, man, I'm confused by this. Right. And if the best thing you can say about the Cowboys is they have a lot of draft picks, I mean, maybe pick. he meant firepower. I, I mean, they, have a, they, have, they have a lot of draft picks. Well, they all do, Tom. There's seven rounds, and they all do. And as we know, that you know the, the Patriots had a sixth-round pick that was number 199 in 2000. Everybody has draft picks. It, it's just I, every time I hear him now, thanks to his – uncommon moment of candor when he basically said 90% of what I say isn't the truth. I'm I'm looking not for the 90, I'm looking for the 10. And I didn't see any of the 10 in what he said. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah, I mean, he, hey, he's he's been taught well up in New England not to give bill, uh, you know bulletin board material. He's not that type of guy anyways. You know, I don't think he wants to be rah-rah, but hey, the message, it's our next biggest game, that, that, and then... Yeah, in his mind, I'm sure he's, you know, realistically going, man, if we play our best football, there's nobody in the league that can beat us, you know? And, and, and of course, like, to your point, like we saw last year, yes, schemes aren't going to confuse him. It's not even about schemes. Brady, if there's one flaw he's got, we know what it is. Can you get to him? Can you just, can you get there? Can you get around him? I mean, almost every turnover and interception he had last year had to do with people around him. He didn't want to take the hit. Let me get the ball out of his hand. And I don't know if Dallas's defensive line is ready for that, you know, n not now. And you can't overly blitz Brady, to your point, because he knows it's coming. And then they protect it up. And then he strikes downfield with Antonio Brown or Mike Evans. So uh, it's going to take a special team this year to knock them off the perch. I mean, I, Mike, I mean, just we didn't even mean to go down this this wormhole here, but I I do feel like they're kind of like the cream of the crop in the NFC. Like it's the first time in a few years where I go, wait, there's a team in the NFC where I feel like they're just a notch better than everybody else. I know they got to go out there and prove it, but man, the roster, the personalities, the leadership from Brady, all of that, I just I, I can't imagine them falling too far here this year. This may be the first time I've felt this way about an NFC team since the Seahawks in yeah, 2014. You're right, you might be right. When it right. just kind of felt like, why are we even doing this? Yeah, why are we even right. playing They're the gonna season? They're going to get there. Like, why are we, right. They beat the Broncos 43-8, to for crying out loud, in the Super Bowl. Uh, they're going to get back, and they're going to win it. And they almost did. They almost did, but not quite, thanks to Tom Brady. So that's the problem. Who's the Tom Brady out there that's going to keep Tom Brady from doing Tom Brady things? Now, before we get too far down the path of, and I know we have to pivot to other things, and Courtney, one of the new producers on the show, is probably thinking, what did I get myself into? This is not what we're supposed to be talking about, but <laughs> but sometimes you just got to lean into it. Yeah. Here's the thing. Uh, with Brady, before we coronate the Buccaneers, and I, I am probably going to pick him to win it all again, 
I can't get out of my mind, and you mentioned it, the Brady reaction to pressure. And this is not an issue of bravery. This is an issue of smarts. Live to play another day. Don't get yourself crushed by a guy who is literally half your age. Get rid of the ball. That mentality opened the door for the Packers to come back and win the NFC Championship. And we've said this before. How different the narrative right now would be with the Buccaneers if the Packers come back and win that game because it was a collapse and it would have been an epic, monumental, historic collapse by Tom Brady that would have prompted all of us, including you and me, to spend the last seven or eight months saying, "Mm, I don't know, maybe Tommy doesn't have it anymore. Right. But because the Packers couldn't seize the brass ring that Brady tried to give them, we're we're acting like he's, he's still wearing a cape. Yeah. Yeah. There, there are tatters in the cape if you can get the pressure on him and he throws the ball up in the air and it's up for grabs and the other team catches it. No, no doubt. I, you know, I, I mean, I do. As much as we think they're dominant that way, you know, they did get a fairly easy schedule at the end of the year last year, right, to kind of get the momentum. You know, to your point about the NFC Championship game, let's not forget in the divisional round, it was 20 to 10. And the Saints were driving down the field, and you're going, it doesn't look like the Bucs are going to stop them. I mean, Drew and company kind of was moving the ball slow, and you're going to go, man, they're going to go up 23-10, 27-10, and it might be over. And then, of course, the Jared Cook fumble, the Antoine Winfield play happened. Um, but that, that, to me, is the only flaw he has in his game right now, is that that pressure element, like you said, it's almost preser- preservation mode there where, yeah, he's – He's trying to stay healthy. He understands that he's a 44-year-old man, and he doesn't want to take that wear and tear. But, you know, it, the, 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 the big thing is with that offensive line, the formula they started to use were keeping Gronk in to pass protect and have these six- and seven-man pass protections. It became very hard to get him. And I think the other thing I look at is they just go, you know, I don't know if there's like one of those great D-lines in the NFC right now either that you can go, oh, that could be the team. You know, maybe Washington. it is the Saints. Yeah, maybe it's the Saints, but there's not that like, you know, New York Giants, uh, Seattle Seahawks type of defensive line where you go, well, I can see them beating Brady because they can get there with four. They don't have to compromise coverage in the back end and all those ty- and all those type of things. There I go. Drink, drink, Ding! drink. Boom. Shots in the morning. But yeah, 1942. There's not that team other than the Washington football team. And I don't know if they're ready for prime time quite yet to get there and challenge them. They have some aspects of the team you like, but that's the only defensive line I look at. And maybe San Francisco, if Nick Bosa gets going here, to where you go, those two teams could be the teams that could really be a pain in his butt if they had had to see him in the playoffs. Well, we'll see what the Cowboys can do in seven days. And Dan Quinn, surely the new coordinator in Dallas, has gone back and studied and researched. And you got to find wrinkles, and you can't find wrinkles at this point, not after... 22 years in the NFL for Tom Brady, but you have to take chances to pressure him. Take the chances because uh, if you get lucky, yeah. you're going to get an interception. Right. And, uh, and and it could potentially turn a game around and give your offense, which does have a lot of firepower in Dallas, the defense not. The offense, yes. The offense will have an opportunity to try to steal the game. All right, 12 minutes into the program, we can finally pivot to the things we were supposed to talk about. And there's an issue that's still percolating with the Houston Texans and the Miami Dolphins. And we've heard 
different things over the course of the week. The one thing we haven't heard is an unequivocal statement from the Dolphins that they're not interested in Deshaun Watson, that they don't want him, that they're not going to trade for him. They don't know where any of this came from. But unless and until you do trade for Deshaun Watson, you got to do what you can with the players that you have and you got to make your current quarterback believe that yeah you're still behind him even if there is a point in the not too distant future where you may not be so yesterday brian flores a coach of the dolphins spoke out on the current situation involving his quarterback Tua tonga vailoa Tua spoke as well let's hear from both of them i will say that Tua is our quarterback um i think that's been the um, i think he's had a good training camp i think he's made a lot of uh, progress um I think he's uh, um, made a lot of improvement, and you know we're, we're we're pleased with where he is, and he's 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 going about his preparations for New England the way he should be, and uh, that's where we are as a team. I think it means a lot um, with it coming from the head coach, um, the support that um, you know I have from him from the team. Um, it, it means a lot. But, you know, for me, I'm just focused literally on trying to get our guys ready for next week. So, You know, it's funny. The difference between the words that you see on social media, on blogs, in newspaper websites versus actually seeing and hearing it. Because I've heard it characterized as like a full-throated endorsement of Tua. That was no... Dwight Schrute giving his speech and and pounding the table to as our quarterback. It was more like the sign that Dwight made for Kelly Kapoor that says, it is your birthday. It was as perfunctory and as uninspired as anything a coach is ever going to say. Am I wrong? I mean... No, you're not wrong. It wasn't like, you're right, like, just does that, you know, bang the table. This is our quarterback. Stop these ridiculous questions. But I don't think you're ever going to get that, like, type of answer from Brian Flores. Uh, if I you want to slam the door on this, see, that's the thing. They don't want to slam the door on it because they still want Deshaun Watson. Well, I, that's, I, that's the reality. I, I do think this, this is going to make the door very close to shut. I do. I think we're getting close to that, like, territory, and I think maybe that's why – Maybe why Brian Flores came out and finally said it. Because, I, I, you know, anything you read, I know you and I know some people. It sounds like Houston's, they're, they're driving a hard bargain. They're not going to, like, lower the, the trade price. I'm sure Miami's getting those vibes to where they're going, okay, like, maybe we'll just have to revisit this after the year. We can't deal with this right now. Right now, it's starting to filter down to, wait, it's disturbing our football team. It could be disturbing our quarterback. Man, even the way Tua looked right there. You know, yeah, yeah, you're right. It reads different on paper, but it almost seemed like he was like, oh, I'm just, yeah, I'm relieved. That means a lot for him to say that. Like, yeah, he, he, I'm sure. Hey, Tua, it, this is something, this is new territory for him. You know, you got to put yourself in his shoes a little bit. We like Tua. We know how good of a, like, you could tell he's one of those guys, right, Mike? You look in his eyes and you go, the guy's a good guy. I could just see it. I, I can't imagine him ever mistreating anybody. He just has one of those looks in his eye. I'd be shocked if he was ever mean or rude to anybody ever. But at the same time, this is uh, it's been a red carpet, rose petals on the ground type of career for Tua to this point. He's never really had to deal with any controversy really on the football field. Not one of the top recruits in the country. Go to Alabama, even as a freshman. Oh, we got this Tua. We got this Tua. And then, of course, they put him in the national championship game. He wins that. Oh, my gosh, he's a college god. He's an Alabama god. 
You know, I'm tank for Tua, tank for Tua. He's the greatest thing since sliced bread. Excuse me as I'm drooling all over myself. And now he gets to the NFL and yeah, it's a rocky first year with a lot of expectations. But then the whole lead up to the second year is like, he's probably going, wait, I want to prove myself. I know I can be better. Let's do that. And they're like, all we've heard about is Deshaun Watson. So that is got to be hard for a young quarterback who thinks highly of himself, probably thinks he can play much better than he did last year. I mean, he knows that. He's made those comments. And I, I, I do feel for him as far as that is concerned. Uh, just dealing with that on a day-in, day-out basis. If football's hard enough, you know, it's hard enough every day, even when you're on a good team and everything's going well, let alone when you have to look and read and everything on social media is always saying Deshaun Watson might go to Miami. There's rumors of this. And, and that is tough on a quarterback, and it's tough to lead the football team when you feel like the organization might not want you to lead the football team. We talked about this dynamic yesterday with Mac Jones as the new starter in New England. It is incumbent on a coach where the quarterback has yet to morph into Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, show up and lead instantly like flipping a switch, you have to help prop him up. And for the Patriots, it was get rid of Cam Newton. You can't have him around. You can't have the leadership of Mac Jones diluted. For Tua Tonga-Vailoa, it's say Tua is our quarterback, although it's still not the kind of strength that's going to be necessary to end this. And I don't think this ends until Tua either plays really well right. this year right. or doesn't play really well because the only deadline that matters on a potential Deshaun Watson trade is the Tuesday after week eight. The window is open until then before it kicks into 2022. And as we said yesterday, as it relates to what Stephen Ross, the owner of the team, has to be thinking, yes, the Texans want a lot. But in March... They may want more if you've got seven, eight, nine teams that are all jockeying for position. If Tua struggles and they see enough by week four, week five, that, you know, he's just not going to make the leap to where we want him to be, you've still got a chance to say not three first-round picks and two second-round picks, but something pretty close, something close enough that allows the Texans to say, hey, it's not everything we wanted, but it's close enough for us to be done with this. And I think Tua's performance, the team's performance, the first month of the season will be the next thing to watch to see whether or not the Dolphins pulled the trigger now or wait to get in the scrum. And it will be a scrum of teams trying to get Deshaun Watson after the season. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it should. And I think you laid it out perfectly. You're, you're right. It's going to come down to his play on the football field. Now, like... If, they're, if he's not playing great, right, let's just say like your scenario, it's week five, it's week six, not playing great, but they're five and one, four and two, something like that. Would they make that move? I, that's, where I, that's where it gets interesting. You know, that's the one thing I think about. I don't think they would. I think they would stay the course and continue just to manage Tua the proper way, a little bit like they did last year. They got a lot of talent. It doesn't always have to be about the quarterback. And then the other thing, Mike, I just – I, I, I guess I come to the 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 realization here that, hey, this is Nick Casario's like defining moment right now, and I just have a hard time as we go on here and just the things you hear that, that he's gonna just buckle or go, we're done with this. 
I, I get the sense that one, he doesn't want to look like, you know, for lack of a better phrase, a, a chump in this and his first major deal as a GM. And I understand that too with the fact that it's Deshaun Watson and he's one of the five or six best players in football and you just don't give him away. And then the other aspect of it too is I would think Casario has the backing of ownership. You know, no owner likes to be told what the hell to do by the player. I don't want to play for you. I want to leave, blah, blah, blah. So that, that to me, all those line up to, I, I just think this is about to go to sleep here soon. And it's going to be sometime in the offseason before this starts to get real again. Let's talk about this from the Texans' perspective in a second. I want to make one point, yeah. though, because I pulled up the Dolphins' schedule first in search of their bye, and it's a late bye. It's week 14. So it's not like you've got a natural break right. in the action a month or so in where you can take a step back and say, what do we want to do? However, Chris, let's do the old Mike and the Mad Dog exercise here. Let's do I'm it. going to tell you their first five opponents yeah. and you tell me where they're going to be at the Patriots okay winner or loss uh, I I'm man I don't I'm gonna say loss oh man okay I don't know. bills bills oh crap oh boy blue I know my boy blue damn it's hard I, I guess I'm gonna say loss again oh man at the Raiders they're gonna win that one they're gonna win all right Colts <laughs> they're gonna win that one too I don't know why. At but Tampa. Just, ooh. You know, yeah, as we sit here, of course, I'm going to pick Tampa. Je uh, at, the buck at the Buccaneers. Well, you just the said mighty at Tampa. Buccaneers. You just said at Tampa. And at, at Tampa. Yeah. Did I say at Tampa? Yeah, you said oh, at Tampa, and then you said at All the right, mighty Buccaneers. It's the same ne team. Never mind. <laughs> never mind. I thought I was messing. I thought I was screwing up here. I see the Jaguars at London. It threw me a little bit because they don't have their bye week after the London game. Right, I right. I was looking for the bye week. I was like, did I miss the bye week? No, they didn't want a bye week after the London game. They want to come back and keep going at it. Yeah. So let's say first five weeks, two and three is a very real possibility. Yeah. yeah. And then you've got some winnable games coming up, right. including the Texans week nine, the first game after the trade deadline. Wouldn't that be something? If Deshaun Watson's on the Dolphins for that game against the Texans. But Chris, two and three, one and four. If they're there after five weeks, now they're, they're they're going to be busy. They've got to pack it up and go to London after their first five games. I don't know when the opportunity even arises after the first five games to try to do a deal for Deshaun Watson. And they likely go to London and beat the Jaguars. Uh, and then, you know, they come home and play the Falcons. They, two and three could become four and three pretty quickly. Uh, and then you have the Bills right before the trade deadline. I I, I just, I don't, I I don't know, I know when... It happens. Uh, I don't know when they have the occasion to even do it during the season. Because they surely would like to be very deliberate think, and thoughtful and yeah, careful. Right. Uh, they're going to be in a roller coaster here between the start of the season and the trade deadline. Yeah. I mean, the AFC East is real. We know the AFC is just as good as and strong as we've ever seen, like you've said over the last few weeks. I mean, there's going to be two or three playoff teams that are playoff caliber teams that are not going to get in. Like, plain and simple, the AFC is deeper than the NFC. It's not even close. I, I just, I, again, I have no inside info here or anything like that. But, again, I would just think at some point, you know, Brian Flores, George Gotze from New England, uh, th at some point I would think they're going to want to just go, hey, wait, this is our team. Let's go this year. We'll worry about Deshaun Watson next year. You know, give two of the chance. I think you got to get to that point here at some point. Okay, I understand entertaining the Watson 
conversation back in you know late July and August and everything like that. But now we're getting here, all right. To it's prime time. I, I do think you need to put it to, to put it to bed and 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 try to invest yourself even more into your number five draft pick. We've gotten there. Let's see what he's got. You know, the kid has admit, admitted he made mistakes last year that he didn't know the playbook the way he should have. That the NFL kind of caught him by surprise. So all of those things have happened. This is not a, a stupid kid. We know he's not a lazy kid. He's going to be ready to play football. I think at some point you just got to close the door and go, hey, we got a pretty good football team. We made it work last year with him. He looks better this year. Let's go forward and see what we got and then make the decision after the year is over again. But damn, you just got to he just drafted him at number 5. Let's 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 make it let's let it play out a little bit more. This is life in the NFL though. You you I know. You you only get the franchise quarterback label and status when you earn it. And if you're not earning it, especially because in comparison to Joe Burrow, who Stephen Ross wanted last year, and Justin Herbert, the guy they left on the board to take to a, it's not a favorable comparison so far. No. The pressure is on. Yes, and it is. to the extent that Tua is feeling rattled, stressed, disrespected, not supported by the rumors that they've yet to shoot down the way that they need to if they truly want to shoot them down the one way to do it. Do what Tom Brady would do. What would Tom Brady do? He'd get pissed off. Right. Apologies. And and he would go to work, and he would go out, and he would kick ass and take names, and he would prove to them. He would use the Deshaun Watson talk as the ultimate motivation to go out and have 350 passing yards every game, three touchdowns or more, no interceptions, and and show them how wrong they were for putting him in a spot where he had to worry about being supplanted. Yeah. Because I'm going to I'm going to be better than you ever imagined. I'm going to be better than Deshaun Watson would be. That's what Tom Brady would do. And that's the way for Tua. Tua's the one who it's can on end him. This. It's on him. It's on him to end. He it. looked great in the preseason. So that's a it's a good start. Both games. I know the Bears game he had the interception down the middle, but you take away that play, you go his preseason was almost perfect. You know, he looked very comfortable. He threw the ball really well. He moved around the pocket really well. And what I would say to Tua, like to down to your point, Mike, like what you're saying with Brady is like, hey, don't take this personal. This is the NFL. I mean, Joe Montana won two Super Bowls, and then they didn't. Go, they went to the playoffs for two years in a row, and or three years in a row, and they tried. They were trying to replace him with Joe, Steve Young. And then what'd he do? He kind of got pissed off and won a Super Bowl in 88 and won a Super Bowl in 89. And all of a sudden it was like, eh, you're going to wait, Steve, a little bit. I mean, Aaron Rodgers, look what just happened to him. Don't take it personal. Just keep pushing forward. It's a messed up oh, business. Take it personal. Well, or Get take pissed. it personal. You're right. Yes. Yeah, sure. You're right. Take it personal. However you want to do it, internalize it so you can kick butt and try to block out the rest of the noise. And and uh, I, I think he has those capabilities. You know, if he survived with Nick Saban and that group down there, there was pressure on him week after week. Uh, I, I still have faith in Tua that he can win football games and do that. Is he Deshaun Watson? Will he ever be? I don't think he will. But I think he can lead a football team and be a real good quarterback at that. It's a shame Tom Brady isn't retired from the Dolphins' perspective because Brian Flores could maybe get him to talk to Tua. I don't know that, that Tom Brady is going to be all that interested in helping Tua get the absolute most that he can out of his game since it is on the schedule for Week 5. 
the Dolphins at the Buccaneers. But it's almost like Tua needs the right person to speak to him to get that that giant to wake up, to get that attitude to lock in. But that's going to be the key. I, this has been a good conversation because I hadn't really thought of it this way until we talked it through. It all comes down to him. And there are plenty of Dolphins fans that want to anoint him the next Bob Greasy or Dan Marino without him proving it. I, I think they they believe, oh, if it's all too tumultuous around him, he's not going to play well. You need that to get the most out of yourself. You need that basis for real motivation, yeah. for anger, for determination, for drive. This is the thing that could give Tua the edge that he needs to become the quarterback he needs to be to end these discussions yeah. and rumors and conversations about Deshaun Watson. Yeah, tumultuous is life in the NFL, except for like eight people in the history of football. I mean, really. I mean, Mahomes right now, yeah, it's not, he's not, it doesn't look like he's ever going to have tumultuous. Like, right, all right. John Elway. He, ha he had it in the Super Bowl last year. Well, yeah, he had it. But, like, you know, just career-wise overall, where you just go. John, John, John they, were trying, they were trying to get rid of John in, Elway. In the 90s. They, they drafted Tommy Maddox. I know, right, right. So there's, there's, there's just, that doesn't exist. I mean, it doesn't. I mean, I watched my dad play for 15 years, and people say, oh, your dad had the greatest career ever. I want to go, yeah, it was great. I get it. But, man, we had a lot of years where we were like, we don't know what the hell is going to happen. And it's scary. I mean, it's just part of the football world. And uh, I, 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 you know, I think it's time for the Dolphins. Go, go ahead, move forward. You know, it does not seem like the Texans are going to buckle on this. And you're getting too close to the season. And they, they should have confidence in what they've done with their football team, Miami. They have just about everything you need. You know, they don't need to have the best quarterback in the football to win football games. They went ten and six with a rookie quarterback who admitted he wasn't ready and Ryan Fitzpatrick who nobody looks at as a franchise quarterback. So, And then I think they're a year better and the coaches are going to be a year better and some of the young players are going to be a year better. So well, I, I think it's, it is time. And I'm glad like Ford has said that. Maybe he says something a little bit more assertive again today or sometime later this week when he's in front of the media just to hammer that point home. Well, the, the, the broader point is it's on Tua. And, you know, Tom Brady, one of the reasons he was great all those years, one of the reasons he was driven all those years is he knew that if he slipped at all, Bill Belichick was going to run him out the door. And that kept him going. And it kept him going to the point where he couldn't deal with having Bill Belichick hovering over his shoulder anymore because that attitude that Belichick had to project to always ensure that Brady never slipped and was always the best he could be, it, it wears down a relationship. Yeah. Because it is a cold, hard business. Only the best will play. And if you're not playing well enough, they're going to look for someone else. Now, the issue with the Texans isn't that Deshaun Watson can't play well. It's that Watson wants out. And because of 22 pending civil complaints, 10 criminal complaints, an FBI investigation that is very vague and murky, because of those things, the Texans aren't able to trade him for what they want. They don't want to play him. He doesn't want to play. General Manager Nick Casario meeting with reporters addressed the situation. Here's what he had to say. I'm going to say the last thing, you know, I know we talked about this at the start of training camp as well as it pertains to uh, Deshaun's situation. Um, what I would say about that is really no different than what we talked about at the beginning of training camp. Um, we're going to each day, we're going to make the decision that we feel is best. I would say, again, it's a one-step process. Deshaun's been here every day. He's been in training camp every day. He's been in the building. He's been in meetings. He's been around his teammates. Um, and again, we're going to take it one day at a time. 
I'm not going to get into a lot of speculation about what has happened, what didn't happen. It's, it's a waste of everybody's time, quite frankly. I think there's more important things to talk about. So, again, we're going to take it one day at a time. We're going to do what we feel is best for our team and organization. Um, and, again, I would say there's no finite answer. There's no definitive answer here at this point, um, and that's how we're going to handle it. Uh, he said we're going to take it a day at a time. David Colley, the coach of the team, said it's a day-to-day type of a situation. The, the thing about that, I, I I think that what they're trying to do, and this is this is kind of informed speculation, kind of an educated guess. They got to keep Deshaun on board with this, and I know that Deshaun has no place to complain about the predicament he finds himself in because his behavior created whatever. He ultimately is found to have done by a judge, a jury, the NFL, or anyone else. His behavior, his choices, his habits have created this mess. So it's kind of hard for anyone to say that, oh, wow, I feel bad for Deshaun. He's he's caught in this spot. Well, he's going to make $10.5 million this year to be caught in the spot. He's not going to have to play for a team he doesn't want to play for, but he's being prevented from continuing his career. And again, his behavior is is one of the major reasons why he's being prevented. But but we saw the flash of frustration from him a couple of weeks ago when he's coming off the practice field, and he was mad. How dare you film me yeah. as I walk? How, right. da- how dare you? Uh, and, and that's what I think they're trying to do is maintain with Watson the idea that it's coming. It's coming. It's day-to-day. It's one day at a time. Deshaun, we got to take this one day at a time. And one of these days is going to be the day. One of these days will be the day that we do it, but you just got to be patient with us. We're taking it a day at a time. I feel like that's why we're hearing that kind of of message, both from Cully and from Casario. They're trying to keep Deshaun on board with this. And it's not like he's going to do Terrell Owens shirtless driveway sit-ups or get Drew Rosenhaus on the front lawn and say, next question, next question, next question. Yeah. But I think they're just they're trying to keep Deshaun on board. Yeah, they don't need him to make it any harder on, on the whole subject here. And 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 let me let me take it a step farther. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, because what they plan to do, and this is good. This is why I like doing this show with you, Chris. Two hours for you and me to shoot the breeze or or something else every morning. Here's Deshaun's best leverage. Deshaun's best leverage is to go to the Texans and say, you know what, I'm ready to play. Yeah. I. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Put me in, coach. Right. I'm ready to play. Right. Okay? Because they don't want to do that. They don't want to play him now because they're determined to trade him. They're determined to move on. You play him and he gets hurt. Hup! There goes the trade value for Deshaun Watson. He tore his ACL as a rookie. And he plays a very physical and at times reckless, loose style. If he wants to force this to a head, his play is to go to the team and say, hey, wait a minute, you can't, I'm on the roster, you can't deactivate me every week. You can't. You cannot. That was one of the Terrell Owens rules that was worked into the CBA in 2006. You can't just say you're on a basically a paid suspension. Right. Now, it may force the NFL to put him on paid leave, but that that's the thing that he could do to upset the apple cart now if he would choose to do it, say to the Texans, you know what, I'm ready to play some football. I, I We had this conversation, I feel like, maybe three weeks ago or whatever, where we said, like, you know, what happens if he does do that? 
What what happens if he comes out and say and does say that? I know. I, I I mean, I agree with you. That would certainly change the dynamic of the situation. But I mean, as it looks right now, it, you know, it looks like you know, at least to me, that Deshaun doesn't want to do that. You know, he's probably thinking a little bit like what you're thinking. Like, wait, I don't want to go out there and get hurt. I don't like the way this team looks. You know, I don't like the direction the team's going either. And I don't want to be out there like because he knows maybe himself that, man, when the game gets close, I'm going to be reckless and crazy and try to win the damn football game. You know, and, and I would think that's maybe part of the reasoning. But I, I, I have thought of that scenario many a times. Like, what happens if he just goes, wait, I'm here. You're paying me money. I want to play. Like, sorry, Tyrod Taylor. Then what do they do? So that's that's where it's it's uh, it, it it would get really interesting, but it doesn't seem we're like we're we're down that road quite yet. And and the reality is, there's a difference between making that move on the chessboard and actually following that's, through. That's because it, if right. you read the situation as the moment I start making noise about wanting to play. Is that the moment that they say, well, we want three first-round picks and two second-round picks, but we, 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 we can't keep this guy off the feet. He wants, he's, he's, he's making noise that he wants to play. Yeah. He wants his – you know, it's football season. What do football players do during football season? I think they, they play, play football. football. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and it's easy for Deshaun Watson to have this posture of I'm not playing for the Texans from January to February, March, April, May, June, even training camp because it's not football then. Preseason, it's not real football. The real football is coming. They got the Jaguars week one. He wants to play football. He sees the teams that he would maybe be inclined to play for, like the Dolphins moving forward right. with someone that he believes is lesser than him. I can help this team win. If they struggle, you know, my, my, my point is, there, there is a chip that he can play here. There's a move that he can make that could put the Texans in checkmate. And that may be what they are trying to avoid. And that may be why they're creating this immediacy, day to day, one day at a time. Deshaun, just bear with us here. It's one yeah. day at a time. It's one day at a time. And they've done a good, a yes. good job of keeping the cards close to the vest. Right. But that whole one day at a time thing suggests to me yeah. – that, that they need to keep Deshaun Watson on board with this plan. Well, the, the, I, you're right. And, and that's where I go to sometimes a little bit of like, you know, is there an agreement here right now? You know, do the Texans know that if Watson says, I'm going to play, then the NFL is going to step in and go, no, you're not. And now your trade value goes down right now, this second, at least for this part of the year. You know, maybe it comes back up again after the year. But if he does that, then – Okay. Oh, well, we wanted to trade him, but but now the NFL is definitely saying he can't play this year or the next eight games or whatever it is, however long they want to keep him on the you know commissioner exempt list or whatever the hell they want to call it. That that would hurt his trade value at this moment too. So that's where I gotta think there's some common agreement here to like what you're saying between the two sides. Like, hey Deshaun, you be quiet, don't say anything, don't screw this up for us, and we'll try to get you out of here for the right and do it the right way for us too, and make it all work. The flaw in that, yeah, though, is that if the league would mobilize to put. Deshaun on paid leave, the commissioner exempt list, if all of a sudden he wants to play for the Texans, why would they not do the same thing if the Texans trade? Yeah, that's right, too. I know. You're right. 
I, because right. at that point he's going to be playing. Yes. So right. you know we we've speculated that maybe there's a wink nod that from the league's perspective, hey, if you're just going to pay this guy to not play, we don't have to put him on paid leave and create a news cycle and get a bunch of requests for interviews and statements and comments, and it's going to be the top story on every website and newspaper and TV show and radio show. Let's just not put him on paid leave. Yeah. Uh, if if that's what they're holding back and why they're waiting. It's going to happen if he gets traded, and I'd like to think that the team that would trade for him, I'd like to think the league would share the details of the wink-nod arrangement before they step into it and give the Texans all this stuff and they can't use Deshaun Watson because the trade becomes the catalyst for Deshaun Watson to be put on paid leave. All right. uh, I I enjoyed that. That was good. That was good. Yeah. I mean, I think we hit every angle or possibility that could at least shake out for sure. And it helped me visualize how I want to push this forward. I want to write something and I will after the show and we'll use the video from our discussion to make this point that I think the Texans at some level have to be concerned about Deshaun Watson showing up one day and saying, I'm ready to play football. And that could be the thing that pushes them to take it from one day at a time to today is the day that we move on. All right, let's take a break. Uh, Honesty isn't always the best policy in the National Football League. Bill Belichick knows that. Urban Meyer is learning that. We'll break down yesterday's developments in this question of what you should say and not say about whether or not you are considering vaccination status when cutting employees. We'll do that next here on Pro Football Talk Live. Did Cam's vaccination status have anything to do with him being released? No. No, I mean, look, you guys keep talking about that. And, you know, I would just point out that I don't know what the number is. I mean, you guys can look it up. You have the access to a lot of information. But the number of players and coaches and staff members that have, um, you know, been infected by COVID in this training camp who have been vaccinated is a pretty high number. So I wouldn't lose sight of that. Perfect deflection by Bill Belichick that because it's one. not about it's not about vaccinated players and staff getting COVID. It's about unvaccinated players being required to be tested every single day, to being subject to a five day elimination from the team in the event of close contact with an infected person, to being subject to the misunderstanding that made Cam Newton unavailable last week because he wasn't tested every day at the team facility when he went out of town, didn't get back in time to do it, or just didn't do it, thought he could go to the local Walgreens, I guess, and get a COVID test and call in the results to the league office, and that would be good enough. The, the fact that you are unvaccinated is a competitive disadvantage, and when you are the most important player on the team, you need to be counted on. And if you can't be counted on to be available every single day, that is necessarily a factor. And they created this rule, they being the league and the union. On one hand, not allowed to consider vaccination status. On the other hand, look at all these incentives for players to be vaccinated. Look at all these reasons to not want unvaccinated players on your team, and nature just takes its course. So it's a stupid rule. It's it's inconsistent. It makes no sense. And, uh, you know, the only thing that does make sense is answering the question 
that Belichick was asked by Mike Reese of ESPN.com with no. No, it was not a factor. And uh, you say anything else, and and you got to worry about, on top of everything else as the season starts, the NFL Players Association investigating your decision-making processes. Yeah, well, I mean, again, we know in New England – availability, dependability, all of those type of things, all of those type of things. Damn, I said it again. Either way, ding. ding. Either way though, you know, at the end of the day, that that's what's most important. And, you know, whether it was he's vaccinated or not, I think it just comes down to like I mean, can we can we trust the guy to be dependable and and, you know, there every day doing the right things? And I think that's got to be a big part of it. And hey, listen, I'm still mad that I didn't think of the angle if they knocked, if they named Mac Jones the starter, that they would cut Cam Newton. I'm pissed. I mean, I know New England. Like, of course they would do that. I'm so pissed at myself for not bringing up that angle. Mike, I mean, I've been saying to you ever since I've met you, right? New England's into framing the team around the starting quarterback. And like you said yesterday, Cam's one of those guys that busts through the door and then everybody in the team's like, oh my gosh, that's Cam Newton. I want to go see him and be friends with him. And then, of course, he's got this great personality that everybody wants to follow. And that's where I'm just like, man, why didn't I? I mean, of course not. He doesn't want to deal with that. I've been doing the same kerfuffle in the locker room and all that, right? I mean, he just doesn't want to deal with that. So, you know, Mac beat him out. Cam, you know, not being dependable certainly gave Mac the 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 pathway to get there. And you know, then it became okay. We're going to name Mac the starter. He took advantage of that opportunity when Cam was not dependable. And we're going to go from there. And I still go back to that comment last week. I think it was right after the, the Giants game. Somebody was trying to ask him a question like, are you going to platoon quarterbacks maybe like the 49ers? And he kind of like scoffed at the idea and was like, I, I think it's pretty important for the team to know who the quarterback is. And that's when I went, okay, there goes the quarterback rotation aspect of it. But damn, Chris Sims, you know New England. I mean, Bill Belichick, the giant way, the patriot way. I was just so pissed that I didn't you know, think of that aspect. And uh, yeah, I, I take Bill at his word with some of that there. And then, of course, he's way too smart to fall into the trap with, with the rest of that stuff. Ten days ago, Cam Newton was the starter. Yeah, exactly. And now he's gone. Right. So, yes, his unavailability during a key week of practice opened the door for Mac Jones to seize the job and – for Bill Belichick to decide if Mac is going to be the starter, we can't have Cam Newton around. By the way, I like how you slipped in kerfuffle there. Somebody got a word of the day calendar for his birthday on Sunday. I don't know That's where <laughs> and I don't know where I got that. I don't know where I got kerfuffle. I mean, I'm usually one that gets words from when I watch other people on TV or something, and then it kind of sticks in there and I go with it. But yeah, I I mean I'm not even sure if I know the full meaning of kerfuffle, but I just I used it, and I used it properly. <laughs> Chris Sims, accidental scholar, <laughs> yes. at least for today. Right. Here's the needle that you have to thread, and, and this goes exactly along with what you were saying about Belichick's attitude as it relates to availability. Now, vaccination status, especially if you're not vaccinated, you're tested every day, you could be knocked out for five days for a close contact, that goes directly to availability. The Jaguars issued a statement yesterday as they try to clean up the mess that Urban Meyer made Tuesday night when he said, hey, yes, yes, we considered it. Jaguars said yesterday availability is one of the many factors taken into account when making roster decisions. We have vaccinated and unvaccinated players on our roster, and no player was released because of 
their vaccination status. Ultimately, decisions are based on a player's ability to help the Jaguars win. We educate our players and respect personal decisions as it pertains to the vaccine. We want to keep our players, staff, and families safe as we comply with protocols related to both health and safety and competition on game days. So, it's not about your vaccination status. It's about availability. But your availability is driven in part by your vaccination status because if you're not vaccinated, there's a chance you're not going to be available. This is a dog-chasing-the-tail exercise brought to you by the league and the union because they made these rules. And the union stopped short of mandating vaccines for political reasons. There was a fear, I believe, slash no, that there would have been a revolt if the decision had been made back in March that vaccines will be mandatory and the steps would have been taken potentially. And I don't know enough about the constitution and the bylaws and the rules and the regulations. All I know is DeMora Smith would have had a storm on his hands if he had made vaccines mandatory. So instead of that, you don't make it mandatory, but you create so many incentives for vaccination and so many reasons for a team to push and push and push their guys to get vaccinated that's how we ended up where we are because it didn't work. We're still short of 100%. They thought they'd get to 100% that way. That's why these rules were created. And now here we are with that small percentage that won't do it. We're caught in this spot where, well, we can't have these guys around, but we can't say it's because they're not vaccinated. Let's say it's because we have availability is one of the factors in deciding who makes the team. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the NFL, you're right. I mean, it's the NFL created this. It, it's hard, you know, but again, I just go back to like the, the basic point of this is what the hell was Urban Meyer thinking? That's all that comes down to. What the hell was he thinking? I think he was thinking the hell with it. I'm going to do it. We well, this it ain't Ohio State he or stopped. Florida anymore. I know. He ain't the I sheriff know. anymore. <laughs> but, but I like the fact that he stopped, he collected himself, and he thought, you know, they told me not to say this, but this is stupid. It's stupid. We're supposed to play this game of, of course, we consider everything, including vaccination status, because it goes directly to availability, but we're yeah. not allowed to say it. What the hell are you talking about? Get out of here with that crap. I know. It, I, it, it I like the fact that he jumped in. That you don't, you don't trip into the pool. Dive in, and that's what he did. <laughs> He's not scared to dive in. We, I mean, we know that about Urban Meyer, and I'm with you. Like, I respect it. But also, I want to just be like, what the hell? You knew this was going to cause problems. And, you know, I, I don't know what kind of penalty the NFL can, you know, put on the Jaguars or if any here in this scenario. I don't. But I don't I mean, think there'll be anything. No, probably I not. Think that, I think what will happen is a little huff, a little puff, right. and nobody's house is getting blown down. Right. Because they recognize how stupid the rule is. When the NFL put out the memo on July 22 that said, if you have an outbreak this year among unvaccinated players or staff and you can't play because of it, you will forfeit the game. And they had an open conference call with reporters on the record after that. And I asked the question, how do you reconcile that with the rule that you can't cut players who aren't vaccinated because you're creating an incentive here? to get rid of the players who aren't vaccinated. And it was like, it's two different worlds. Yeah. It's not two different worlds. It's one. You've jammed it all together. You've created an incentive to get rid of the players who aren't vaccinated. What's going to happen when they do? Nothing. That's what's going to happen. You'll get the perfunctory statement that is more exasperation. Why didn't you just keep his mouth shut? But what are they going to do? They're not going to do anything. They're, they'll, they'll, 
they'll they'll check some boxes, they'll dot some I's, they'll cross some T's, and I guarantee you, nothing will come of it. I I, I don't doubt that. I don't. I mean, I don't. I certainly wouldn't think that if there is a penalty, it's going to be anything like, you know, crucial. Maybe they lose another OTA practice or something like that. But I don't, I, think, it'll be I don't think you're right. I, I think you're right too. I I mean. Hey, listen, in, in some ways, I bet you there's people in NFL management and, you know, the executives in 340 that are kind of glad he said it. Like, yeah, like the message is out there. Players, get vaccinated. Don't screw up our league. The owners, of course, we know they want everybody to get vaccinated. They don't want to have to miss games, pay, you know, lose money, whatever it is. So, uh, I mean, I, I'm with you. I don't think anything happens. I'm still shocked he said it. Uh, Urban, you know, he is. I, he's cool. Hey, listen, he recruited me coming out of college. He was at Notre Dame. I mean, Urban is a great guy. I've always liked Urban, and he's all about football. And I'm sure some of this stuff he is like, man, what the hell? All these rules in the NFL and things. I'm used to being the sergeant general and just telling my damn team, do this or you won't freaking play. And it's probably frustrating him to a degree. I want to know more about Urban Meyer recruiting. Chris oh, Sims. man, he was the man. I mean, Notre you know, Dame. every Saturday morning he'd, you know, call me during my high school days. You know, some days you'd be like, oh, gosh, coach, I'm trying to sleep in. It's 730. What the hell are you doing calling me? You know, we had a Friday night game and I was with my girlfriend all night. What are you doing calling me this early? <laughs> but he was, he so, was great. So I, I assume what happened wife, was, <laughs> yeah. I assume what happened was, uh, he got your transcript and he realized he's at Notre Dame, and that was the end of that. <laughs> no, negative. <laughs> I was smart enough to go to Notre Dame. I took my visit and uh, I went there, and he showed me around. My, my my mom came, you know. I mean, he couldn't he couldn't have been better. And he was one of those coaches, Mike, that you just always knew, like. You come across them every now and then where you just go, man, it's just a matter of time before this guy's a head coach somewhere. He just he had an unbelievable command and ability to communicate and do everything. Bob Davey was the head coach of the of the Notre Dame Fighting Irish at the time. But, uh, yeah, certainly some good memories there. The uh, well, bottom line is I like what he did. Yeah. And he shouldn't have done it. But somebody needed to do it. I kind of like that. And I think at the end of the day, they're not going to do anything about it. They can't. They can't. From a PR standpoint, it will create a huge mess if they do. Because most people agree with, with what of he course. said. Right. Because they've created the incentive to consider vaccination status because it goes directly to availability. Let's take a break. Aaron Rodgers was not happy with his general manager heading into training camp. Are they on better terms now? We'll discuss that next here on Pro Football Talk Live. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. For the world's greatest athletes. This is the showdown we've been waiting for. There is nothing like competing on the world's biggest stage. And when that stage is Paris, anything can happen. I have never seen anything like this. How about that? An Olympics unlike any other. What a performance! The Paris Olympics. This summer on NBC and streaming on Peacock. What if millions of black Americans had been compensated for slavery? 
Join me, Tremaine Lee, as I explore the untold story of one of the only black Americans who ever was. I talk to his descendants and discuss how reparations forever change their family's trajectory and imagine a reality where reparations are paid to the rest of black America. Into America presents Uncounted Millions, The Power of Reparations, a Black History Month series. New episodes drop Thursdays. Listen now, wherever you get your podcasts. Aaron, somebody snapped a picture at practice yesterday of you and Goody talking, and I'm just wondering if the communication between you guys is the same, better, worse than it was uh, before? Uh, Well, I think it's a work in progress for sure. I, I mean, I think, you know, relationships aren't formed. Uh, in a matter of a couple of days, you know, there's there's time where the respect grows and the, and the communication follows. That was August 4, Aaron Rodgers meeting with reporters early in training camp. September 1, General Manager Brian Gutekunst meets with reporters and he was asked how things are going with his franchise quarterback. Let's have a listen to Brian Gutekunst from yesterday. I've had really good conversations throughout camp uh, with Aaron and Matt, and and I think the communication has been really, really good. And so as we went into this um, kind of decision-making period, I think, uh, you know, everybody, all the people that are kind of involved in that were um, very aware of what was going on and why we were doing what we were doing. So I feel really good about that, and um, the conversations that I've had with Aaron have been excellent. Now, I... I I'm reluctant to say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. There is a chance. There is a chance that this is one of those situations where the two parties to a conversation may have very different assessments of how it went. And I could see Brian Gutekunst walking away from a meeting or turning his phone off after a call and thinking, man, that went well. Yeah. And then I could picture Aaron Rodgers at the same time rolling his eyes saying this guy just doesn't, he still doesn't get it. I could see that. Because it feels like the disconnect is so fundamental, you're not going to fix it in a month. And it's not going to be good conversations. It's going to be strained and awkward conversations for a while before you get to the point where you can feel like you had a good conversation with a guy who reportedly wanted you fired, although I don't believe that. But I do believe that there was a high level of dysfunction to the point where Aaron Rodgers considered his options about getting out, all because of the things coming from the front office, not the team. Not the players, not the coaches, not the fans, but the front office. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't, I don't doubt Goody at all. You know, I mean, listen, I like Goody in all ways except for the way they've handled this situation. And I mean, I'm sure he, they have had a conversation. He's walked away. Okay, that was good. But like Aaron Rodgers isn't a cheap date. He's not going to be like, oh, we had a conversation. We're friends now, and I'll do anything you say. No problem. Like you know, Aaron Rodgers. I mean, we. I mean, you could see he's. He's not going to just be like, oh, we had a conversation. Things are all good and dandy now. You know, I, I take him at his word there, too, that, like, yeah, it's a work in progress. Yeah, we've had some conversations, but, you know, like, I think, you know, not to put words in his mouth, but he's probably like, no, but Goody's not in, like, the trust tree with me yet here. We're not, like, best buddies and giving each other promise rings or anything, not anytime soon. So, yeah, we'll see where it goes. But it sounds like at least progress is being made there. Uh, and, well, 
Yeah, well, to a degree. I don't know. I, what, what, I don't when know Aaron Rodgers says work in progress, he doesn't say, well, you know, it's a work in progress. He says, oh, oh, that's a work in progress. That's a different message. When when you when you oh, that's a oh boy, there's a work in progress for you. No, I it, the, the, I don't think there's any bridging this divide. This is about finding a way to peacefully coexist so that the football team can go about its business. And Rodgers at some point said, and he's spoken so much publicly over the course of the last month, I can't remember when, where, or how, but the message I got from him was, it doesn't matter to me now that I'm in camp. Brian Gutekunst is not in the locker room. He didn't say that directly, but that was the message. My world is teammates and coaches, and that's why we said, Chris, when we had this pegged, you know, no one else is going to pat us on the back, so we may as well do it yeah, once in a while. We both thought he's going to show up and he's going to deal with his frustration and Mark Murphy and Brian Gutekunst just need to stay the hell away from the practice field and if they choose to come close to it, wear a helmet and a cup because you stay out of Rogers Universe and they'll go 13 and 3 again. Well, I can guarantee you they won't go 13 and 3 because there's 17 games. <laughs> they'll go 14 and 3 or 13 and 4 just just be done with it. Yeah, yeah. And accept the fact that you're not going to rebuild the bridge. The bridge is exploded. And the only question is how long Aaron Rodgers' career hangs in the air as the bridge has collapsed. Yeah. Is it another year? Is there a way he can play two more years with the Packers? That's the only question. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I don't disagree with you there. You're right. I mean, we, we said it from the beginning. You know, those are, like you said, Murphy, Gutenkus, they're up in the front office. Okay, maybe they're standing in the way, the corner of the practice field there. He doesn't have to deal with them unless he really wants to. You know, he likes the coaches and the players. That's all that matters at the end of the day when you're playing quarterback in football. I mean, man, most of the league is always wondering whether the front office likes him. It's just rare that, like, one of the greatest players in the history of football has to worry about that. But, you know, the other thing that came to my mind, right, when I, when I at least – uh, saw these comments was, you know, Rogers maybe a little too like uh, it's a work in progress. I, you know, it, who was the tight end that just got released the other day that he kind of said was having a great camp and doing those type of things? Uh, I, who, who the hell was the guy? I can't I'm blanking on the name that we talked about yesterday or the day before. That guy. That, guy. that guy. Either way, that guy he obviously really had liked. something positive about a guy who was having a great camp. I'll come up with it in a minute when I look at their roster for the preseason. But he obviously was trying to go to bat for him a little bit and they released him so his he didn't have much sway in that conversation and I did think like maybe that's you know part of the reason why he's <laughs> well yeah we're having conversations that's a start are they listening to me not really like uh, that's almost how I took it to a degree and this is the fundamental disconnect that cannot be resolved. Aaron Rodgers wants to be able to say I want this guy I want that guy I want this guy I want that guy Gutekunst looks at it as the zero-sum game that it is. For every guy you want, I got to get rid of somebody. For every guy that you're lobbying for me to keep, that means I got to go get rid of somebody else at some other position on defense or elsewhere because I'm keeping this guy that you think is having a good camp. Well, you know, this other guy had a better camp. That's why we're keeping him. This this other guy is a, is a bigger part of our future. That's why we're keeping him. And that whole thing with with Clay Matthews, you know, Rogers is, look, Rogers has, based on the way he's talked about it publicly, he's confirmed exactly what I thought. They went out, they had a few drinks and they decided 
let's let's mess, mess with, with them. Goody. Yeah, right. Let's mess with them. Seems like that. Let's let's start this movement to bring back Clay Matthews. Now, I'm reliably told they would have liked to have had him back. He would have come back with the right offer, but they all knew they're not going to do it. It's not going to happen. So let's go have some fun. Let's be impish. Let's let's cause some trouble. That's what that was. So it was a joke to the extent that the joke was on the front office because they were stirring up a storm that the front office was going to have to deal with. And, and, and they know. They know they're not going to bring back Clay Matthews. And I'm still surprised they brought back Randall Cobb. But, but that's the disconnect. And for as smart as Aaron Rodgers is, Chris, I feel like he doesn't understand. You don't have unlimited money. You don't have unlimited roster spots. You can't just bring in the guys, the older guys, that the quarterback's comfortable with. Yeah. At some point, you got to think about building the team for the future. And, of course, that's how we got in this problem. Exactly. In the first place. Yeah. They're thinking about building for the future with a new quarterback. Yeah. No, I mean, hey, it's conversations. That's all you could say. That's all. I mean, to me, that's, that's all that should happen. And I think that's what Aaron Rodgers wants. I mean, I'm with you in the fact that I think they were kind of messing with them uh, or messing with the organization with the Clay Matthews thing, putting a little pressure on the situation. Yeah, they'd like to have him back. Rodgers is – he's smart. He knows the salary cap situations and all of that. But I think at the end of the day, it just – it goes back to what we always talked about. It just seems like he had no say in anything, never was in, in any conversation about anything. And that's where – I think, you know, for lack of a better way to say it, is he's, he's kind of butthurt over that. You know, he's like, what the hell? You know, I mean, the, the Colts talked to Peyton Manning when decisions were going to be made. They let him in on the conversation. He knew what was going on. He, they might not have listened to him. You know, even Brady, he knew what was going on. He might have not. Have, he might have been able to give us like, "Hey, I like this guy," or "He does this really well," or all that. But they weren't going to listen to him. They were going to take it into account. And it sounds like that wasn't even happening in Green Bay, and that's where his frustration really lies. I think that what happened was they were dismissive of him. Right. You just work here. Yeah. And that yeah, was maybe, one of the things he maybe. did say at that first press conference when he showed up and 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 just basically aired out all the dirty laundry said everything that was bothering him. You just play here. You aren't a coach. You aren't a GM. You aren't an executive. Instead of sitting down and saying, hey, Aaron, you know, I know you got concerns about what we're thinking about doing here. I want you to understand. I'm going to take five minutes out of my busy day and explain to you why we're doing what we're doing. And I appreciate your input. We appreciate your perspective. And, um, and you know what? I hadn't thought of it that way. Hey, th thank you, Aaron, for bringing that to my attention. I think it was more along the lines of, Hey man, I don't have time for you. Yeah. Don't you have don't you have like a, a massage or a lift to get in? Don't you shouldn't be yeah. studying the play. Do your do your job. Do your job. And uh, sometimes do your job works. Sometimes do your job doesn't work. Ryan Pace doing the job in Chicago of general manager. And Pace met with reporters yesterday. The question that is on the minds of every Bears fan who is desperate to see Justin Fields, not Andy Dalton, play in the regular season. Here's Pace talking about the decision to go with the Red Rifle over the Ohio State rookie week one against the Rams. We're just in a good position with, with Andy. You know, like, like we, it, it starts with how we, do, how we feel about Andy, and we're very confident in him and where he's at, so there's no need for us to rush Justin. Right, if, if Justin is the, is the future of the franchise at quarterback and the coach is saying he's ready to play how is it not in the best interest in the long term of the franchise to start the process of Justin playing and learning? Because 
we feel Andy's in a good place too. You know what I mean? So it'd, it'd be different if we if we didn't feel that way. We feel Andy's in a good spot too. Like we're we're confident in Andy. And there's there's a lot of things Andy with Andy. I know we've talked about it before, but his experience. He's won a lot of games in this league. His decision making, his intangibles, his leadership, all the things that he's doing. There's there's so many veteran players that have come up to me and made comments about Andy Dalton and what he's doing in, in practices, in the locker room, in the huddle. All those little things that I think we're going to see pay off as we get into the season. So it's it's more about Andy right now. We're excited about Justin. We're I'm more excited than anybody. Uh, but you know, we're just going to let this thing play out. Hey, they paid him ten million dollars. Money talks in the NFL. Yeah. Ten million dollars. Uh, they believe in him, and they're trying to set this up as close as they can to Chiefs 2017. Alex Smith starts. Patrick Mahomes sits. It's a far different scenario. We've talked about it many times. They're not going to make that work. The question is, will Dalton play well enough that it will quiet the we want Justin yeah, crowd? Right. It's on Dalton, just like it's on Tua yeah. in Miami. Uh-huh. It's on Dalton in Chicago. The only difference is the Deshaun Watson in the Chicago example is already on the team. But it's the same idea. If you want this plan to work, Bears, you better make sure Andy Dalton delivers. And if Dalton wants to play, he has to earn it. He has to play well. He has to win it. And the problem will become if what people see with their eyes during Bears games is Dalton's not getting it done. Right. But then after the game, the team is saying, well, that wasn't his fault. No, this wasn't his fault. No, this wasn't his fault. We're going to stick with him. That's when the pressure is going to become potentially overwhelming on the team to make the change. That's why we are where we are right now. I mean, you, you just said it. That's what happened in the preseason. I mean, I mean, yeah, I'm, I guess they like where Andy Dalton's at. Uh, I'm sure he's practicing well. But he did nothing in the preseason to make the fans go, oh, I get it. We're, we're good. Andy is, Andy is good. This is the right situation. I mean, no, it was underwhelming. Uh, I mean, there's no other way to say that. I mean, he was the starting quarterback, and they were down 27 nothing to the Bills. I don't know. What, what? That's not a good look for him. And then Justin Fields has gone around looking like a Greek god. I mean, this is the only play of the preseason for Andy Dalton. Here we go. That's it. Throw it up. Unbelievable catch by Adams. I mean, he pulled the ball off the guy's head and caught that ball. Chicago Bears fans, they've been around football for a while. They know what the hell's going on there. I, I just come back to, I mean, this is different again than the Kansas City Chiefs. The Kansas City Chiefs knew Mahomes could bring them to a new level, but they didn't like need him right now. Oh my gosh, we got to have you. And I I'm like you. I mean, I'm still like if you played him the first year, who's to say he wouldn't have been awesome that year too? I, I, I don't <laughs> you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, they, they, they may have another ring. I mean, uh, right. I mean, maybe he's more ready in year 2 in that AFC Championship game against the Patriots where they struggled for the first two quarters or whatever before they finally got it going. So, uh, I just look at it still that you know, this is not going to fly in Chicago. It's a smart football fan there and they've seen it. And Cincinnati's not far down the road, and they've—they've. They've, I'm sure they've seen enough there with Andy Dalton. Justin Fields has a lot of talent. You can do special things with them, and I just think Andy Dalton's on a week to week. He just—he's—it's like you said. You're right. It's a—it's week to week. How does he play against the Rams? If it's good, okay, he'll get to start against the Bengals. If it's really not good and they struggle, I think you're—we're going to see Justin Fields early on in the year. 
unless the Bears are committed to this agenda of Andy Dalton, Andy Dalton, Andy Dalton, and they warp reality and say, even though the rest of us may think Dalton stunk, no, he was good. No, look, this this play wasn't his fault. That play wasn't his fault. The fact that we gave up 28 points in the second half wasn't his fault. I mean, there are ways to spin it if you want to and say it's not his fault if you're committed to continuing the Andy Dalton at quarterback. It's going to be interesting to see what happens. It they is. clearly are going with him week one. And then week two, it's the Bengals. you got to let him play against the Bengals. After that, that's when things are, are going to get very interesting for the Bears. But look, in my mind, this is all about... 2022 yeah you don't trade assuming that there's some level of basic functionality at the top of the bears organization and some in chicago would say there isn't assuming there is you don't authorize this trade where you give up next year's first round pick for justin fields if you've got your coach and or gm on the hot seat because the new people may not want justin fields we've seen that Every coach is going to have a different opinion, unless it's a clear-cut, no-brainer franchise quarterback. I mean, when Tony Dungy went to Indianapolis, he didn't say, I'm not so sure about this quarterback you guys have here. That doesn't happen very often because the teams that that fire coaches are firing coaches for a pretty damn good reason. It's because right. the team stinks, and usually the quarterback's right in that boat. All right, let's take a break. I mentioned the Colts. We're going to swing to the AFC South. The over-under win totals for those four teams, arguably the weakest division in football. We'll look at them team by team right after this. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks... Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. 